0: Part two two of our season one
1: recap.
0: recap. This is HBO Girls Rewatch. I'm Amelia. And I'm Evan. And And
1: we're going to do it. We're talking about the same recap.
0: We were going to do a recap all in one, but turns out we had so much to say. So much, almost. We had a lot to say about Shoshana, and so we went ahead and split this into two parts, but we are filming on the same day. That's why I'm (laughs) wearing, that's why we're wearing the same outfit. We're not outfit repeaters. Okay. So, she last was. episode, we talked about what girls we were, we talked about Shoshana, and we, we talked, talked about Jessie. Jess's arc. So, Evan went to blow their nose, because they don't want to be sniffly the whole time. It is allergy season here in Brooklyn, New York. Um, but we're excited to dive in, do a deep dive on season one, Marnie and Hannah. I think there's a lot there. Evan shaking, shaking, shaking. I'm wake up. Um, I haven't even finished my coffee. But between the recording of the first part of this episode and the second part, I did make a Caesar kale salad.
1: Honey, you killed Caesar and kale?
0: That's so funny, guys. We're also (laughs) going to give you um, a sneak peek of our newest segment. You
1: killed Caesar?
0: Our new segment in season two. You killed Caesar? (laughs) Do a wig (laughs) reveal of it.
1: Okay, wait. Okay, I came up with this idea where it's, I'm always thinking about the word glock because it's just so fun to say. Not fun to do, but fun to say. So the segment title will be Girl, Get Your Glock. It's rapid fire time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's just a dopamine rush every time you say it. Girl, girl get girl. your glock.
1: It's a gl- gl- It's that sound. It's, it's so fun.
0: Girl, get your glock. It's rapid fire time. And the idea that a girl gets a glock.
1: No, actually, we're bringing feminism into guns.
0: But also, like, we just a want to say right here, right now, we need more gun control. We're, oh, absolutely. We're anti-gun. Um, we
1: love the words that guns make. We no. love the
0: sound of the word glock. Yeah, we But love that's more of a linguistic thing than... A glock
1: could be anything. In this setting, it is a gun, but...
0: It's, it kind of seems like Goldilocks' nickname. Glock, come glock. here. <laughs> if I was in a group chat with Goldilocks, I'd totally we put her in as glock. glock. love that girl Um,
1: no it should be right in the right place it would be just right
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know I just found out I don't know where I learned this but it's like the reason the the mom's um, porridge is cold
1: oh she died from a Glock
0: no (laughs) is because she spent so much time preparing her husband and kids meal that by the time she sat down to eat the porridge was cold.
1: Wait, Goldilocks is a mother?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought she was a little girl.
0: No, Goldilocks has a mom. Yes. And it's like Mama Bear's porridge was bad. Baby Bear's was <sighs> just right. Papa Bear's was too hot. Yes. So the reason M- Mama Bear's porridge was so cold is because... I was she...
1: talking about Mama Bear. Yeah. I was talking about Goldilocks. Is... No, I'm talking about the
0: plight of mothers.
1: Okay, but I didn't... I mean, I'm sure Goldilocks' mom is having a hard time, too.
0: Well, where is she? She's not looking no, after exactly. her No, exactly. That's why she's
1: she's having a hard time. She didn't have the time to take care of Goldie.
0: You're right. I'm still just like, so is Papa Bear just like sitting down like, oh, I work in the field, so I better eat first.
1: Wait, I actually think it's really fucked up that Goldilocks' name is Goldilocks. It's like...
0: She her, has golden locks.
1: I know, but it's like to be named after a defining featuring herself...
0: It's a children's book. What are they gonna do? I'm
1: just like, would someone be want to be named mole? Would someone want to be named um, weird nose? It's you like, you
0: know, I know you see me as Snow White, and it's like I always thought of myself as Belle. So in the last like month or two, I've really been having to come to terms with the ideas that I'm actually perceived more as a Snow White than a Belle. <laughs> <laughs> you really affect me with <laughs> your words, Evan. <gasps>
1: No, what? Disney? I know, we're always talking about those girls on HBO. But what about the girls at Disney? I know. Being defined as them is actually a really difficult challenge.
0: I'm not Belle. I don't like to read. So, let's dive into Marnie or Hannah first. What do we want to do?
1: I think we have to end with Hannah. Pbh.
0: Okay, then let's dive into girl three, Marnie Michaels. Okay, I
1: think you should start because you always are being, you're reflecting so much as a Marnie in life. It's a, I really think you have the power here.
0: I know when we did girl, what girl are you in the first part of this episode? I basically kind of did the recap of Marnie, but I'll do it again in more thorough detail and without making myself the center of it.
1: Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we're introduced to Marnie Michaels in the first episode as being Hannah's best friend. And the pilot really establishes that the relationship between Hanny, Hanny, (laughs) the hashtag Hanny, it's Hannah and Marnie put together, the relationship between Hannah and Marnie is like the crux of the show. And it's like they are best friends. And this show is about female friendship. And it's not about boys, even though they both have boys things going on. And that's like a whole thing that is highlighted in the pilot. And then we see that play out and we see the ebbs and flows of this relationship and them living together and growing together and the tensions that arise and the eventual falling out. So we see them start out as best friends and then we see tension begin when Marnie loses the guy in her life and Hannah gains the guy in her life. And then we see continued tensions with like Marnie being by the book and Hannah really having to grapple with the fact that writers aren't by the book. (laughs) Get it? Because writers write folks. but um, a creative career isn't by the way. No, luck. you
1: literally have to make yourself laugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then um, the eventual continued building tension between those two as they deal with such intense things in their early 20s that are really affecting their emotional state outside of the friendship and how that actually feeds on each other's, neuroses, And then, yeah, neuroses amazing term. Thank you. And then we see the final big fight in episode nine where Marnie is like, I'm moving out. And then we really see Marnie follow through and we see that separation. And it really is kind of insane, like how close they are in the beginning. It's like they're in bed together. They're like in the bathtub together. Like they're so intrinsically entwined and then at the end they don't even live together like it very much is like they are separated and I know like from watching reviews of Lena reviewing the season she's hoping for season two to really highlight the fact that they need to separate themselves and they've known each other for so long and they've lived in the city together for so long and they went to school together so part of the character growth of them discovering who they are and becoming who they're meant to be is only going to happen if they are separated and elijah joins the picture
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i think it's also very interesting because this now what is happening in the season right when so marty moves out right at the end of the season and moves on with shana and jessa um this is the last time that marty lives in brooklyn and the thing is, Marnie isn't a Brooklyn character. If and there's one she,
0: thing about Marnie, she does not belong in Greenpoint. She doesn't belong
1: in – well, it was even t- 10 years ago, Greenpoint, before, like, the Willie Well, I will say she it. could be
0: a mom in Greenpoint.
1: Williamburg, She could 100% be a mom, but, like, in her current situation as a young 20-year-old being in Brooklyn, that's not her story. No,
0: she should be, like, near Kip's Bay.
1: Yeah, she's, like – she's kind of like – I don't want to say Murray Hill because I actually think she's a bit more complicated than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: what I would say is that she could find herself and try back up pretty easily or like a West Village situation.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking West Village. I'm thinking
1: West Village. Especially today's West Village, Marnie would fit in so well there.
0: She'd kill it. She, she was really never
1: hit. meant to be. Well, Greenpoint does have people that could be in West Village, but t- Greenpoint 10 years ago, I really don't think it did as much. Like she was, it was kind of more Brooklyn. Mm, Yeah. The classic Brooklyn sense of Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, well.
1: And that means Bushwick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You think Greenpoint 10 years ago is Bushwick today?
1: No. It's still so like, it was Poland. It's very Polish in Greenpoint and it's only becoming less so. But 10 years ago, it was very like people moving to New York and very, very Polish. Um, I mean, yes, I think you have some of that overlap. But um, 10 years ago, I don't think people really existed like they do in Bushwick.
0: That's interesting. (laughs) You don't have
1: Gen Z. Gen Z didn't exist. Gen Z
0: really did something different. It was kind of millennials.
1: I guess the Gen Z of millennials.
0: I just got so tired thinking about millennials. I'm exhausted right now. It's so hard to think about them so often. I'm so
1: tired thinking about millennials all day. And I'm forced to.
0: (laughs) We, we brought it about upon <laughs> We
1: us. brought it upon Nobody us. It asked us thing to do about that. about millennials. Do you know how fucked up that is?
0: Marnie is so cool in this season because we see her in the first episode as what is seen as the perfect, most put-together girl who has it all figured out, and by the end of the season... We see her completely lose her fucking mind and learn to sit in that and try and be okay with it. And that's why she doesn't fuck Charlie at the wedding. And that's why when Jessa gets married, instead of freaking out and being like, Jessa, what the fuck? She's like woo, yeah, I'm going to get drunk and eat some cake. It's all cool that I don't know what I'm doing with my life and that maybe that's good for me. Even when she moves out and Hannah's like, you don't have a plan. And she's like, I think that's maybe good for me. It's like this season is all about Marnie learning to let go of the rigidness of how she thinks she should be or thinks she should want. And she thinks she should want her life to be no exactly, and opening herself up to the idea of more, which really sets her up for her music career to come.
1: <laughs> well, she's built so much of her like she built so much of her own perceived value about from being organized, and she perceives her value around being her friend specifically about being like the organized one and the structured one, and like that's the role she plays because her friends are clearly not that case. And I think she that's why she really feeds into it. But now that she can realize that she can let go of the reins a little bit and that her friends don't really necessarily appreciate her organization, she's letting go a little bit. And she's just going to be more free and, like, in tune with what her desires are. And I like,
0: don't think she's ever asked herself the question, like, what do I want?
1: No, exactly. It's
0: like, what should I want? That's what I want. <laughs> and I think she's really bad. Well, I think
1: she asks other people what they want from her.
0: Yeah, like, the art PR job or whatever, and then the boyfriend. Well,
1: art PR is such, like, it's not even art PR, it's art gallery. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, working at an art gallery is, like, one of those jobs that only hot people can have, where uh-huh. she kind of just, like, sits there, looks pretty, like, and it's also f- can feel very important because you're also working with, like, such wealthy, influential people, essentially, trying to deal them art. And, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of events. As an event-based culture, I think that also feeds into, like, her own perceived thing. It's, like, she's adjacent to art, and now she wants to be an artist, we find out. Yeah. Um, and, like, going from being manager, essentially, to um, creative. Mm-hmm. And then how all their stories kind of um, interestingly feed into that.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And, like, the thing about mapping out these four girls and their arcs it's like Hannah and Marnie are kind of coming from opposite ends, where Hannah is like this creative ball that's looking to get into the business, whereas Marnie is the least creative ball, but she's in the business. So it's kind of these two balls of energy on the opposite side of the spectrum interacting, and so that serves like so many of the plot lines is like those two energies mm. like grappling with whatever it's rock and, and
1: star trying to be star and, star and both
0: of them trying to meet in the middle.
1: No, exactly.
0: It's really cool. And I also feel like a lot of girls who move to New York do come with a plan and a vision of what they're going to do. Yeah, very true. And then when they move here, they face the fact that their dream and what they envision for living here is different than what they actually end up wanting. Yeah. And they have to kind of change their dream. Well,
1: especially those girls in the West Village we're talking about where it's like uh, they they all it's so that's idea, like life like it's what portrayed through influencers on tiktok is like living in the west village and having this almost it's like comfy but all the amenities are there and it's like so it's like f- theoretically cleaner to most neighborhoods or like the east side of manhattan um and it's so like i think it's i think it's for well to put together people as a west village and that's why it's so attracting to people because it's like it has that New York grid, grittiness to it, but also it has this, like, it's it's for very, like, it feels very type A in a lot of ways. Yeah. In a way that probably it didn't when the show came out, but does today.
0: And as we know, Marnie is inspired by, like, kind of, she represents the girl boss millennial. Yeah. The working girl, like.
1: Yes, 100%. The,
0: I'm going to fulfill all the roles of femininity while having, like, my career and being, like, kind of a career woman. And we see that fall apart.
1: <laughs> yeah, we see the. I I think the idea of it fall apart. We haven't necessarily seen it, it fall apart. It kinda, which, Yeah, but it. But well. we
0: have seen the death of her first relationship, which is the main, which is one of the main parts of her character arc in season one. Yes, is the letting go of the idea that her college boyfriend is always going to be her boyfriend and opening herself up to finding something new and exciting.
1: Well, we can't talk about Marnie without talking about Charlie, especially yeah. this season.
0: And I know we did. We talked a lot about Charlie and Marnie's relationship during the episode where they broke up. Um, and a lot of that was us talking about how Charlie kind of like picked Marnie and Marnie kind of picked Charlie. But in, uh, they were both so focused on the idea of mm. the relationship rather than the idea well, the of the college other. flashback
1: scene really college- says it all.
0: The college fastback scene. It's like these people do love each other, but they are not in love. They don't have the energy and fire of like a young romantic affair. Like it's like they are a married couple.
1: Yeah, it feels so married couple. Like they're there to like.
0: It's so soulless and sexless.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think especially on Marnie's behalf. I think Charlie, I mean, this classic thing is like I decided on you. And it's like he's made this decision in his head where Marnie, again, this plays into her, maybe her own spirit where she kind of had decided on Charlie in the beginning of the season and then realizes it like isn't the fit for her. And like starts to recoil so much where it's like his touch feels like a weird uncle.
0: But it's like half the season. She's like dead set on making it work and convincing herself yeah. to stay in it. So it's like we really see her struggling with her realizing that she's not in love with this person anymore, and she has to kind of like cut it off. And even the that's cut scary, it mo- <laughs> <laughs> cut it out
1: motion. Cut it out. Not
0: to bring up Full House once again.
1: Uh, I did not know that's from there.
0: With Joey Gladstone.
1: No, stop, please. Cut. You're it all out. you do is like bring up Glee and Full House. It's like if you want to talk about those shows, you can. And Survivor, you're. No. You're so good at that. I'm so fucking good. Um, and also, I brought that Jesse reference in a different episode. <laughs> I know. So crazy for us to bring it up twice.
0: God.
1: That's hell. Um, I the thing with Mar. I really. I think it's like I really. It's like if you look at Sex and the City. Not to bring up a different show, but these are good shows to compare. Where um. What's her name? Like
0: Charlotte.
1: Charlotte. Charlotte and Marnie are, like, probably the two closest overlapping characters um, between the, the both the shows, I would say. They're both, like, pretty brunette women who, like...
0: They're planners.
1: Yeah, they're planners. Like They it, have an image in their mind yeah. of
0: what they want their um, life to look
1: like. Yeah, just, like, at different age levels. And they actually both work in an art gallery. Which, never, thought never thought about that? I thought um, about that. I think it's very interesting they both sort of are in as the same position in the art world. Wait, this gallery. is
0: fun. Let's map what girl is what sex in the city girl.
1: I mean, so Jessa, Samantha. Yes. Sarah, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker
0: I guess is Hannah. Is
1: Hannah. I mean, they're both writers. So
0: by I think default, it's really
1: interesting that they're both writers that the blonde girls are both the sluts.
0: Yeah. Quote
1: unquote. And then the thing is, it's Shoshana is is definitely definitely not um, Miranda. Miranda,
0: or is she more Miranda than we think?
1: Well, she's Miranda. Like I think she watched Miranda and was like I'm gonna be Miranda, like career wise. You know like, who Shay
0: Diaz is? Andrew Reynolds.
1: <laughs> is there any crossover characters between these two? But they really are so similar. Sex. And, I mean, it's very interesting to see that there's two job parallels writer writer and gallery gallery and i think it's very interesting that it definitely again it's like no art is original this is a spinoff of sex in and it in some also ways. is
0: an hbo sh-
1: no half exactly hour. it's both they're both they've well i think we made this ways.
0: argument before that sex in the city is two thousands four girls in a city HBO Girls is 2010's Four Girls in a City, and we're still waiting on Four Girls in the City for 2020. That decade.
1: <laughs> well, I know. It's the sex life of college girls. College is a new city. I think like, I don't want to emulate those girls. They're all so silly.
0: The sex life of college girls is nothing like.
1: <laughs> you ripped my blanket in half? Get your hands off of my blanket. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, don't make a comparison of Sex, Life, and College Girls, to HBO stop,
1: Girls, and I think going My feet right now are like in little balls. I'm so stressed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, I'm
0: sorry. Back on track.
1: No, but Sex, and the City, and HBO Girls, I mean, this case has definitely been made, but there is such an insane overlap between the two shows. Uh, and I mean, I think they, again. I guess it is a decade. Is it thing?
0: because no shows have ever been about girls before those two?
1: But there's a twenty-eight year, there's a twenty-year uh, oh, well, age gap between these women.
0: No, so the difference is that Sex and the City, all of them are in their thirties. All of them know exactly what they want. And this is. They already
1: have developed careers.
0: Yeah. And all of them know exactly they're looking for a husband. They're looking for the promotion. Like, they know exactly what they want. Whereas, like, girls, none of them know what they want. They're all 20 somethings who are lost. And it's kind of about being lost rather than, like, about searching for something. It's about searching for yourself.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's essentially being 20. It's like, we, yeah. the reason why all of us are so unconfident and, like, don't have the tools necessarily to, like, figure out our, our emotions is because. We don't know ourselves.
0: It's so fun to. I forget who said this. Oh, it was fully Pat Regan. Um, (laughs) But he's like, whenever whenever I find out someone's twenty three, I forgive them for everything they've ever done because it's like they have no idea what they're doing. And it's like that's so true. It's like we. It's like I even think about myself at twenty one. It's like, okay, whatever that girl was doing, like I wish her the best. But it's like there was no way to know what to do. No,
1: exactly. Like my brother took a job in Illinois. He's moving like almost rural illinois he's like a little city in the middle of illinois and he's taking a job where he's also 22 pointing out um he's taking a job where it's like 10 people work there and like designing like new gardening gear uh, like electronic gardening gear will be his job because he got an engineering degree and it's like the job he was able to get right now being fresh out of college but and i understand it's like i think 22 year olds 23 year olds 24 year olds were, were very headstrong group like a lot of us think we know what we want
0: and you're so ambitious and so ready for the world but don't know what to do it's like my sister's graduating college right now with a degree in opera and she's like I actually don't know what I should be doing and I'm like you shouldn't she doesn't know know what she
1: wants to do but she also has the impulse to be like
0: but she's like I need to be successful
1: well exactly and and I think she's probably I would assume she's fairly headstrong about that Mm -hmm. and like won't really take advice from others like 22 year olds actually feel like they know the world Um,
0: How can a person know everything at 18 but nothing at 22?
1: Is that a real song?
0: Yeah. Who? Taylor Swift. Nothing new featuring Phoebe Bridgers. No,
1: and you know what? It's like no one was talking about 20-year-olds 20, 30 years ago because that was like such a marriage core energy when people were getting married earlier. But now that we don't have the certainty of like marriage and like you follow a specific career path, there's so much more uncertainty. It's so much harder to find yourself. Exactly, you can't emulate and yourself it's like others, that is the difference between
0: like moving to New York or staying in your hometown. As we see in the hometown episode, it's like everyone's getting married or dying,
1: <laughs> or like owns a pharmacy with their dad.
0: Yeah, you know, like everybody has it kind of like set up, and it's the idea that when you move to New York, you don't have anything set up.
1: But that's Who excitement. Are, we were
0: talking to—I forgot oh. what conversation I was having last night at a bar, but. Everybody was saying that, like, how come every time a white woman writes a show... Oh, it's Esther. A, yeah, it's about... <laughs> Esther uh, felt
1: first guest on this pod.
0: Well, she didn't say it. Somebody said it to her. Yeah. Because she's, like, my show. Esther's writing a one-woman show about moving to the I city to you make your dreams it. come true. No, it was Gara.
1: Gara. Okay, okay, okay.
0: He was saying that... Um, Every time a white woman writes a show, it's about moving to the big city to follow your dreams. Why is there not another plot line? And we do have to wonder.
1: No, there's only one plot. But line there, for one but man. we
0: basically decided there's only one thing. Like you're either staying in your hometown and getting married, or you're moving to the city to follow their, your dreams. So it's like, of course, that's what every show is about.
1: No, every show is about. Mindy Kaling's a doctor.
0: Dreams. Was that her dream?
1: It's funny because. It's funny because everyone on TV is following a dream while everyone, every character on TV is following a dream while every character that is playing those characters has achieved their dream. So it's always this like weird disconnect. I know. Well, I'm always
0: thinking about that in terms of Broad City because they're, yeah. they're writing a show about being so bad at working towards your goals and they had to be so good at working towards their goals <laughs> to get the show. So it's like they're constantly having to write from the point of view of them being like six years ago.
1: Yeah, it's so crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't know how they kept it up.
1: <laughs> it's hard to come up with original stuff for that because uh, Lena Dunham, a lot of the inspiration, like the crack came from her friend who accidentally like smoked crack at a party. Mm-hmm. And then her, like when she got angry at Adam.
0: For sending the nude, that's because somebody sent her a weird nude.
1: And, and she like, it was a breakup text that she had sent to someone and she basically used so much of the vernacular wording from this email that she wrote to someone when they broke up, being like, I just want someone to only care about me and want to only have sex with me, but like not necessarily date me. Uh-huh. It's like, and it's so funny. And, like, she used that in from her own life. And I think if you kind of look at the further seasons as this goes, it's, like, you definitely see um, development into characters, but you don't necessarily see these, like, as organic moments. Yeah. I think. And that's why people really resonate with the first two seasons of this show because it's so real.
0: Where it's so it's real. It still is
1: real later on, but it's not as real as the first two seasons.
0: Yeah, which I think – going back to Marnie and we really see Marnie in the first few seasons seems so much more real than she kind of does when she goes music mode. She kind of becomes a caricature. Whereas like she seems everything that's happened to her so far feels very grounded.
1: Hmm. I agree with that. It's very interesting. She's so, it's so interesting to watch, but she also has to have this moment of like becoming so grounded to ungrounded in the first season. And also, if we we didn't really talk, but this is such a nice way to, like, everything's so, like, wrapped up. Like, they, there is enough progress for all these characters, at least three of them, to, like, tell a nice story.
0: So, on that profound moment, honey, we made it. Guess what?
1: Are we done with Marn?
0: We're done with Marnie. And we're on to the bell of the ball. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, holding Hannah. your fingers so... Hannah
1: Reykjavak.
0: Hannah Horvath. That's right, everybody. Now that you've heard the first and last name of each of the girls, you know that they plan to make the first name and the last name both start with the same letter for all the characters. So, what Except do we got? Hannah Horvath.
1: Oh, last name.
0: Marty Michaels. Jessa Johansson. And Shoshana Shapira.
1: I love alliterations.
0: Me too. Do you remember when you found out about figurative language in English class? Because I did. And then I was like, oh, my God, all this time I spent <laughs> hating animated shows because I was like, they have nothing to do with me. Meanwhile, the whole time they were symbolism and metaphors for real humans. I lost my damn mind when I learned that in middle school.
1: Your Powerpuff Girls is essentially the same story as HBO Girls.
0: Oh, I never watched that because even though it was a show about girls, it felt like it was for boys.
1: No, it was four girls.
0: Why girls shouldn't be superheroes? They should be having fun.
1: They were having the most fun. Were they? Yeah, because they always won. Basically, it seems
0: like they were always having to fight off evil. Girls don't really fight like that.
1: I think for someone whose whole thesis is to help girls, this is a terrible outlook.
0: Okay, I'll give Powerpuff another chance.
1: Yeah, not at this point.
0: You want to map out for the listeners what Hannah's arc was this season, so then we can reflect.
1: Yeah, okay, so Hannah, is there growth here? There's some.
0: (laughs) There's growth, come on. The pilot to her eating cake on the beach. I mean, it's a 180. I think
1: it's really funny that she starts off the show eating and ends the show eating.
0: Yeah, I think it was by design. It was
1: by design, but it's just so funny.
0: As we know, Hannah loves pleasure, and food's a part of that.
1: Yeah, she's having fun, and what does she do with that fun? She learns from that fun.
0: Yeah, it really is, like... Hannah's mom tells her what she's all about and it's true. She's not lying. Yeah,
1: this whole show is just like her taking advice and then maybe at the end Hannah's
0: she's like, dad's still straight in this season. Very cool.
1: Well, that's not how that works.
0: You're right. I take it back.
1: Actively, actively bearding. He hasn't <laughs> shaved yet. <laughs>
0: he hasn't shaved. <laughs> He's
1: in a damn closet.
0: Um, Hannah gets cut off from her parents. She's yeah, working in so unpaid Hannah internship. Hannah
1: gets paid from her parents. She, well she graduated overland theoretically came to New York city for a year is like working on paid internship at a
0: two years,
1: two years.
0: Her parents have been supporting her for two years. Okay. Her
1: parents were supporting her for two layers. So they're like, we can't support your groovy lifestyle anymore. And you're like, what groovy lifestyle? Um,
0: Which I think is a fair question for her to ask. Cause her lifestyle isn't groovy. She's too like normal girl to be groovy. I
1: think parents are thinking in New York city, cause it's such a expensive city that it is always groovy here, but um, people get away with so little and do so much. I guess that's groovy.
0: Okay, well.
1: Um, yeah, so she has this unpaid job. She is financially supported by her parents.
0: Her she, boss is Jason Stiles from Gilmore Girls.
1: Her boyfriend or her, the person in her situation barely cares about her.
0: Doesn't ever respond to her texts. Doesn't ever
1: respond to her texts. Um, she's living with a girl who, like, there's a lot of tension there.
0: She's living with her childhood best friend.
1: Which means tension. <laughs> so Unlike us, it.
0: since we didn't know each other as children, there's never any tension between us I two.
1: don't know you well enough.
0: You I'm me, kidding.
1: I know you so well. You know
0: me more than anyone ever has. Do you know how scary that is for me?
1: Uh, I got to fight. I'm going gonna... <laughs> I'm to... I'm
0: being really vulnerable with you right now. No, that's you're just that true? I know
1: what? you better than anyone's ever known you.
0: Yeah, you and Charlie.
1: And how much of that is your fault? All of
0: it. (laughs) 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 And how much of it is true? (laughs) Sorry, I was closed off for a lot of years. I was dealing with stuff. I was learning. (laughs) I was growing. Um,
1: Now I'm more open to love and life. This is love and life. I feel like a levity right now in this room. Okay, let me talk about this crazy girl um so what are we watching this girl progress into so she goes from um little psycho diva to um that's right psycho
0: diva (laughs) pilot is all about establishing (laughs) hannah as psycho and diva
1: psycho diva um and then (laughs) by the the end of the season she's um girl with a cause
0: oh what's her cause
1: eating cake by the ocean having it and having and learning from that cake from the ocean i
0: hope pharrell is sending lena residuals
1: okay oh, see lena came up with that damn theory and then it's not pharrell
0: i don't think anybody Deng- ate cake it's by not, the ocean before it's not this. pharrell
1: I it's know. joe jonas's band
0: joe jonas has a band that's not the brothers
1: no i know it's like dn Deng- it's donna in new york DKNY. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was just on their website this morning i want to buy um clogs <laughs> Like, orange ones.
1: You have clog. Cool. Oh, yeah, but you should get orange.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to get, like, orange, like... And you
1: bought Melissa's today. Polly
0: Pocket. So I bought two pairs of Polly Pocket shoes. I need one more You for bought two pair of Melissa's? Yeah.
1: Whoa. One l- was on sale. For our readers at home, and that is, um...
0: Those jelly, jelly
1: shoes. Jelly shoes.
0: But I got these platform ones that literally look like plastic Polly Pocket shoes. I hope they're okay to walk in, because I'm going to be... Yeah, I
1: think they are. I'm going to be sweaty feet
0: dancing around town no I don't really sweat because when I was a lifeguard I trained my body not to sweat
1: oh I mean I was in lifeguard but I've done the same thing or I've, like never exert myself I can't tell
0: perfect <laughs> the first time I've ever allowed myself to sweat is in hot yoga this year
1: you like was it like a question error popped up your and you're wearing like yeah I guess this time you know it's like can we ask for your location you were like no 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 this time, when I asked her if you could sweat, you said, yeah. I said, "Accept all cookies. Them. Yeah, you said, "Accept <laughs> all cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
0: not us making digital jokes. So let's dive into the Hannah's arc. So she gets cut off from her parents and has to get a job so she can pay her rent that she now pays herself oh yeah and the way she does that is by trying to make her internship a paid job not getting that so basically getting fired getting a new job where she's groped and harassed and then kind of fucks that up and ends up quitting um because she doesn't want to be working under not like,
1: like anybody else. La, 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 and
0: then she gets a job as a barista, and she's very bad at it, but she has an in because it's Ray, who's the boss. And he boss. actually really has a soft side for that crazy, wacky girl. And then... He's somehow
1: the most lenient character, but says the least lenient things.
0: I know. Wait, what's on my chin?
1: On oh, your chinny-chin-chin. Chin, chin. A freckle.
0: You're right. Okay. And so that's basically Hannah's career. She's trying to write, but she's not really writing. She has some essays. She has a diary, as we know. And then she kind of is trying to step more into the writing side of things by going to the writing mic that her old professor um, invited her to. Mm. And we kind of end off with her, you know, getting the survival job. So now she has more time to focus on actually writing. And then in her love life, we see her go from having a situationship, which that term didn't even exist when the show was around, which is kind of cool. But Adam was definitely like a situationship. And then we see her be brave enough to ask for it to be boyfriend and girlfriend. Exactly. And we see Adam say yes and. To the dress yes to the dress. Yes, so then man, we see funny. her no but. getting a loving relationship and then realizing, like, oh, my God, this is scary. And I'm scared. And how intimate do I want to be with this person because as we know her and Adam actually don't even know that much about each other so that's (laughs) Hannah's career and love life and then her friendship life is really seeing twists and turns but we really do see how good a friend Hannah is even though she doesn't believe in it she is always there for Jessa doesn't
1: believe in what friendship
0: well, in this finale, when Adam's like, you think you're not pretty, you think you're a bad writer, you think you're a bad friend, but in fact, you are pretty, you are a good writer, and you are a good friend. Well,
1: and Elsa Martin is like, maybe, and you're a bad friend, she's maybe my priorities right now aren't to be a good friend. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she is doing that.
0: She is being a bad friend, but she's also still being an okay friend.
1: She's like that person you keep around, because you have, like, history, and, like, there are so many benefits. There are, like, benefits to the friendship but also you got to know what the cons are and you have to learn how to adjust for those. But the thing is, the cons are always changing with Hannah.
0: Totally. Couldn't agree more. But by the end of the season, we see her. I mean, when she loses her purse, I think pilot episode Hannah would freak out and be like, oh my God, how do I get back home? But we really see her grow into a more confident and brave and courageous character of a person. Um by her being like I did lose my purse I'm gonna go walk on Coney Island and really just sit with myself for a second and her admitting in the season finale that she's really scared to Adam she's like I am really scared it's like her for the first time being self-aware of why her behaviors are leading her to take the actions they are because I think early on she doesn't know why she's making choices or what that means for like the outcome Whereas, like, by the end, she's kind of seeing the consequences of her own fears around intimacy.
1: With the comfort of age, like, you, there's growth. Like, we are seeing why aging is such an important process because there comes with so much growth with that. And all the characters being like, all the older characters in the show are like, God, thank God I'm not 24 years old. And then being like, actually, it's really okay. It's really fun. And then we actually, it's not that fun. It's really fun and also not that fun. And that's a really big part of, being twenty-four, it's, it's a damn roller coaster. That's an analogy for it. I think it's funny she ends up at Coney Island because she's on the roller coaster and she's trying to get off of it. She, she's feeling ups and she's feeling down. We're seeing a damn cyclone in the background, and that's her damn experience throughout this season.
0: Yeah, we really see her realize that for her to create the life she wants, she's really gonna have to just constantly face new fears and put herself in new situations and be okay with the unknown. Well, especially
1: if she wants to be a writer, like she's gonna have. To- Like, she does like putting herself in weird situations, but not necessarily having the solution or the tools to handle those situations. Like, she just puts herself into that. And now we kind of see that she is gaining more tools to handle situations.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing that, like, at the end, she was so being taken care of and coddled, and now that she's set free and really having to find her own way, she's realizing she actually is capable of doing that. And I think by the end of season one, we see her realize that she can take care of herself, and she can work towards her goals. And even though it's scary and hard, she's going to do it.
1: Oh, she has to do it.
0: She's got it. And I think
1: she's also feeling the reward of working towards her goals. Like, she it's understanding the benefit of not just like having a goal and saying you have a goal, but not actually putting yourself out there in the actual goal, just like theoretically she could be a successful writer, but she hasn't tried at all really. And yeah. she has not really tried to be a writer for this show, but she's trying to be an adult and I, and, yeah. and the success that comes with that. Like I, so many people I'm definitely in this way. It's like before you ever try something, you have this perception in your your mind with that You're going to be very talented at that thing, whatever it is, just because you're like, oh, I see their mistakes. I would know how I would do it differently before you even try anything. I think like this happens to stand up a lot. Like you definitely feel like you're perceived so much better and you start doing, it, you're like, oh my God, I'm terrible at this. And it actually it takes a little bit of time to get comfortable with it all over again. And everything's like that. Like it's so, I think comedy is a good example because you can hear people talk about it, but um, it, it's with everything. It's sports. It's just like, being new at anything like you have such an impression of yourself that you're going to kill it. But without ever trying it and actually gaining spil- skills and that experience, you're never actually going to be talented at it. You only will have the perception of it. And that can be enough for some people that perception that they would be good at something, even if they never try it.
0: And that's what we see so much about like, people who stay in their hometown. They're like, oh, I would have made the NFL.
1: Yeah. It's like I would like made... it's,
0: it's better to hold on to the dream of like who they could be if they had made some other choices and believing that they really could have been that versus being the person that's like, I'm really gonna be that and I'm gonna take the necessary steps and how hard that actually does end up being. Well,
1: that's why thing. I love seeing Heather, even if she's a terrible dancer, go to LA and at least try to be a dancer because. Otherwise, what? She's going to work at a coffee shop and be filled with regret for her whole life? Yeah. And she just witnessed her really good friend die?
0: It's better to try and fail than never try at all, I, I think, is the essence of this that. show.
1: I don't think life, in my own perception, not to make about me, but life isn't necessarily about... It, it, the expression where, like, life is about the journey, not about the destination, it's so true.
0: It's the friends you make along the way.
1: It's the friends you make along... Like, that's just, like, so nice to... It's a... Okay, if I don't end up being successful at my chosen craft doesn't make me a bad person or bad at what I did. It just means it my it didn't work out that way, but I'm so glad I tried at it. And mm-hmm. like in some ways you always will succeed success in it. It just looks different for everyone.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's so beautiful. I mean, that that's kind of the Hannah character where it's she's chasing a dream. Definitely a dream that's even harder and harder to get for her. She gets older and puts herself out there more and a craft that, like, doesn't necessarily have the legs. She wants to be, like, a Hemingway, but that Hemingway doesn't really exist anymore. So she's set up for, like, journal writer or, like, columnist. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting to see how that dream keeps changing and and turns into something new throughout this whole show and specifically throughout the season, too. Like, she works from a publishing house, and then she ends up in a coffee shop, which sounds crazy, but actually it's like, kind of a very natural progression of having a dream, like, starting in this, like, coffee shops are essentially very creative environments, especially like in the cities where people come and work and I'll just sit there and I like watch people design websites for three hours. I'm like doing like sending out emails and like it's a, there's a lot of creative popple energy and it's cool that she's in a space like that and working there. And I think she just enjoys that aspect of being around creatives and cafe grumpy. And, And it's a cool story. It's like, that's her mail room. What do
0: you mean that's her mail room?
1: Like, there's so many people that start off like being producers or like oh you mean like the mail room of mail yeah
0: somebody was talking about how they worked in the mail room and it's literally like all you do is wait for mail to be printed and then deliver it to the person who printed it
1: yeah but people literally i know people that have built their writers right now yeah i know they've started in mail rooms
0: it's totally a trajectory.
1: It's a real thing.
0: I applied for that job. I did not get
1: it. I'm sure it's so competitive. I had to work <laughs> at
0: like a, a startup instead. It's no problem.
1: Okay, do we say anything about Hannah? <laughs>
0: We've said so much about Hannah. We've said so much about Marnie. I think it is actually time for us to wrap it up. We do want to say on the note of Grumpy's Cafe, we reached out to the owner <sighs> and we are looking at
1: Well, we haven't heard anything yet, so let's not say anything. Never mind. I hope to hear back.
0: Will we've got some live stuff in in the brain in the brainstorming stage? We'd love to take it to the to the.
1: To the ground.
0: To the to the real life. The, the
1: trading floor.
0: Um, for those of you who do live in New York, um, we'd love to meet you. We've we've really been so excited. Yeah, let's and take and a second to reflect
1: on this our season throughout this year. Yeah.
0: Show. So we decided we decided to start the podcast at the beginning of this year. We didn't even know it was we had gonna be. So
1: many different ideas. One of Amelia's ideas was called Shroomates, where we would take shrooms and talk every episode. Yeah. Neither neither of us really care for shrooms that much. Um, we both had like microdose it for like a whole week, and we're like, "Okay, awesome. Now let's do it all the way." And it's like, "Could you imagine we had a trip every single week?"
0: I don't remember having that, that idea. That was your but first idea. It came
1: to you in a dream. You said, <laughs>
0: <laughs> "That's awesome." We were coming
1: up with ideas. We had so many random. What was it? Uh, we were, we have a list somewhere. There's so many random ideas we came up with.
0: Yeah, but you know, girls has always been a big show for me because. I love shows about girls. I'm getting
1: so. Po- every single person we were talking to, and it was really coming back into the bringing up the show Girls,
0: and we thought it'd be a good anchor for us um,
1: for something we love.
0: To be able to talk about something we love. I've
1: only started liking this, loving the show even more after starting a podcast. I'm very thankful for the audience that we've built throughout this I show. I feel like we've such gotten a,
0: such a response. Such
1: a nice, n- insanely kind community we've built. I, I love receiving everyone's DMs and messages. Yeah. Um,
0: Everybody interacting online. So kind. I'm so glad. I never we-
1: felt better in my life. I swear to <laughs> God. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad we could have the conversations because it is interesting to look back on this show and um take stock of it now that it's been there's been some time away from it being you know live on the air
1: important i mean i don't think we necessarily there's so many subjects to cover with this show because again it's i feel like our situations right now are very similar to the ones playing out in girls and it's also taking the cultural lens as something that really depicts i think what a a a typical zeitgeist life looked like 10 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and like putting in today's lens. And that's a really interesting thing because so much reflection is over like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but nothing so like in the decade almost.
0: And we really have noticed I mean, I think we've brought it up almost every single episode the difference of like how different plot lines would work post Me Too mov- movement versus pre Me Too movement, which was like one of the few movements that have happened. Um, few,
1: it, it, we're. Sense. I'm more in a TikTok generation. We're like, in a TikTok generation. That's so fast.
0: Everything moves so fast. I think the conversation in terms of like race and diversity and inclusion is so far. Gender, yeah, sex. Gender. We haven't even touched on this. Show we yet. haven't even talked about the fact that like all these girls are a hundred percent straight.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, today they wouldn't be.
0: Yeah, that would never happen.
1: Every girl in Brooklyn is bisexual.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that bad to say?
0: Or are they them.
1: Well, then they want not be a girl.
0: Yeah, I don't even think they'd call the show girls now.
1: <laughs> Them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, it's definitely cool to see how much, you know, like, the culture has shifted in such a short time in terms of what we deem as acceptable and unacceptable. And I know Lena Dunham has vainly faced a lot of back backlash. the show and I will say you know the TikTok conversation often is like Lena's problematic for X, Y, and Z Um, and then there's a lot of people being like well Lena created a show that actually broke so many things that were still such like a thing like even the fact that like Lena Dunham was the first like non size zero girl to ever have a TV show basically (laughs) or to see like a girl had like um, sex drive
1: yeah, have a sex drive, be sex forward, even. Or, yeah. And, and like also not be conventionally beautiful.
0: Yeah, like it really did, you know, stir conversation and break the mold of what it is what society's idea of womanhood was in a lot of ways, but it's cool that we can look back just 10 years later and be like, oh my God, we're so much farther, and that doesn't even seem so groundbreaking or profound anymore. Like People who are watching like Gen Z, like half of them watching it now, they're like, what is this? It's like, duh, because the culture has moved so quick. There's so
1: many first time watchers to this show. There's
0: so many first time watchers who are like, this doesn't seem that progressive, but four, 10 years ago, it was so progressive. And it's so cool to see that society has progressed even more. Well,
1: I also think it's a very nice size show. Like, it's not too long. It's a show you can often revisit because it talks about so many different issues. And and it's such a specific time in someone's life that it's easy for that person to watch that show and reflect on it. Like, we were watching a show previously younger to us, and now Mm -hmm. we're living the same age of this. So So this was a staple of, like, what being 20 looked like. And now that we're actually going through this age, it's like,
0: We're realizing that a lot of the plot lines, the between the lines of the show, are so specific and accurate to the experiences we have. When I think when we both first watched the show, we didn't pick up on the fact that, like, that would actually happen. No, it's insane.
1: It's like these, the words, like, I can use an antidote from girls in every single conversation I have, and I do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much for listening. We're so excited for a new season, all new guests, so, some new segments. Really exciting
1: guests coming up. Yeah, this has been so wonderful. It's been so
0: wonderful. Um, I hope you like Please, these two more yeah. serious, analytical um, episodes. Um, we'll be
1: back. We'll be silly next time. Yeah, we try and
0: we try and do a balance balanced. of like deep dive analysis and then also just like having fun and you know being, being girly. Cute.
1: Uh, please rate and review
0: if you haven't yet. Please, please, please take the time to rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, even just writing like a few words. Um, yeah, or literally, just say stars. something so yeah. silly,
1: I don't care. Yeah, um, um I'm sorry to, to grovel, us on- I like I don't want to end this this way. Um, so I'll end it with a fun fact I have one connected earlobe and one non connected earlobe.
0: Woo! <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: Can't wait to see you.
0: Um, We'll be back next week with season two. So make sure to watch season two, episode one. So you stay up to date. Love y'all so much. Have an amazing rest of your day. Bye. Bye.